Welcome to Risk Roundup. The demand for transparency is increasing across nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia, in short referred to as NGIOA, as the current centralized systems do not power transparency and are proving largely ineffective. Over the years, risk management has lost its meaning and way. Despite numerous efforts, how we manage risk today remain largely basic, difficult to verify, and futile. This is due to many reasons as who identifies risk, to who evaluates risk, how risks are transferred, for whom the risks are managed, to how risks are managed, or who manages risk plays a very important role in the global risk ecosystem. When the risk from cyberspace, geospace, and space add to the complexity of the risk ecosystem, who can be trusted to manage all data about every risk from cyberspace, geospace, and space, and all its interconnections? The truth is that, as of now, no single individual or entity can be trusted to identify, manage, or govern the growing complex, interconnected, and interdependent risk from cyberspace, geospace, and space. This is a cause of great concern. In the global CGS risk ecosystem, relying on any individual or even an entity would create an inherent bias and weakness in the much needed neutrality and transparency risk management demands. This is mainly because anyone involved in the risk management or governance would ultimately care for only its bottom line or its interest and affiliates bottom line. This could lead to selective disclosure of risk or even worse, extortion. In the integrated cyberspace, geospace, space risk data, were gathered by if, if, it, if the risk were gathered by a neutral third party, it would have to be both totally unbiased and properly incentivized to deliver the technical and non-technical capability of running the complex global CGS risk ecosystem, that means cyberspace, geospace, and space risk ecosystem. Some may say that industry associations can fill the role. However, third parties like industry associations depend on the funding from others. This largely makes them weak and vulnerable, largely for bribery. So what can be done? Who can fill the role? It seems blockchain promises us a whole new approach and way of managing risk using a global peer-to-peer -peer network that provides us an open platform that can deliver neutrality, reliability, integrity, transparency, and security in the way we manage risk. This changes everything. To discuss blockchain-based risk management, especially risk transfer further, I'm delighted to welcome Daniel Robles to Risk Roundup. Daniel is a co-founder of Integrated Engineering Blockchain Consortium and is based in the United States. Welcome, Daniel. We are honored to have you on Risk Roundup. Well, thank you very much, Jayshree. I'm just amazed at, at your clarity in articulating that enormous issue, that, that vacancy in the world financial structure. And so I'm, I'm very pleased to be here. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Now, uh, we both know, Daniel, the demand for transparency is increasing in a digital global age. In the face of this reality, it is important to evaluate whether any entity across NGIOA, that means nations, its government industries, organizations, and academia can be trusted to broker all data about risk arising from cyberspace, geospace, and space, and all its interconnection, because now everything is connected. Computer code and internet has and com, uh, has connected everything from, cy to cy from cyberspace to geospace to space. 
So how do we go forward? Well, there is, in fact, um, a body of persons who are managing global risk. They just don't know it about themselves. And um, let, me, let me just explain a little bit. If you look at finance, finance is in the business of hypothecating real assets, and they're called securities. Now, those securities must be backed by some form of collateral, physical collateral, or they cease to exist. So who is actually securing that collateral? Who is the person, the people building, designing, maintaining, and renovating that collateral? It's the body of engineers. Mechanical, civil, electrical, software, that entire body of, of, of persons, makers of useful things, are the people who are, who are mitigating this financial risk. If you look at insurance, they're not really concerned with risk. They're only concerned that the risk is priced correctly. Now, they may um, use engineers to make a risk product profitable, but if it cannot be profitable, they will not insure it. So who is the purse, who, are, who is the body of individuals who are mitigating, stabilizing these financial flows, uh, managing the physical risk in the world? Again, this is the body of engineers. Now, engineers are segmented by laws, they're segmented by political boundaries, they're segmented by corporations, they're, they're I believe, purposely disorganized because the value that they create is so outsized compared to the value that they consume that it's not necessarily in the best interest for engineers to organize. Um, so they're already in this very decentralized network, which in the past was their disadvantage. But today with blockchain, already they're organized as a decentralized network could be enormously powerful. So this is where we are focusing our effort in, in putting the engineering industry, we're calling it eng tech to correspond with FinTech and InsureTech, but it's really a, a virtuous circle. Um, a bank won't finance something that can't be insured. Insurance won't insure something that cannot be um, uh, engineered. And engineering can't happen unless you have finance to cover the soft costs for design and development before the asset is actually producing revenue. So it, it is a virtuous circle. And you identified that there's a hole in this circle, and I'm identified a way to fill it. So you're absolutely right about that, that there is a hole and we need to make sure that the way risks are managed and for whom they are managed, that we are able to effectively navigate that so that the risk, you know, don't become bigger and more complex. And then we do, we all don't have to pay the price and the current centralized systems across nations, they are just not able to give us the transparency that we all are hoping for and looking for. And despite various efforts, risk management, it's uh, the discipline of risk management remains largely rudimentary and very difficult to verify. And as you were saying, the fragmentation of the silo efforts to risk management, it makes them open to all kinds of fraud. So it is getting clear that a blockchain-based digital infrastructure is necessary to ensure transparency, trackability, and trust to the risk management discipline itself and all the frameworks that are being developed across nations at all levels. So from your assessment and your perspective, since you are involved with this blockchain initiative for, to use a blockchain-based risk transfer, what should be the key components of the blockchain-based risk management framework? If we are talking broadly about risk management framework, not just the risk transfer for the insurance, but the risk management framework, what should be the key components of it? Well, well, first of all, you know, I believe the engineers have to be on the blockchain somehow. 
The problem with engineering is that we deal in the physical world. We're an analog profession. And somehow we need to convert this analog profession to a digital profession. Now that's very, it's, it's a tricky thing I'm mentioning. And only then can we be inserted into the equations of FinTech and InsureTech if we're if we are able to articulate ourselves in a digital domain. Now, the next challenge is that that, that engineering profession, that EngTech, that also needs to be decentralized because there needs to be a condition where you don't corrupt the engineer. Now, um, and you have to have a condition where in order to corrupt the engineer, you have to corrupt the network first. And that's what would make it difficult. So the, the United States has a professional engineering licensure model and um, I, I wrote a white paper for the NSPE identifying how the NS, this, this licensure model is very similar in many ways to blockchain. And uh, we also wrote a paper for the NAIC, the National Association of Insurance Commissioners, and I'll explain a little bit more about this later, how there is a hole in a blockchain where if you put an engineer, you can fill it because a blockchain cannot articulate property or money. It, so so that, that digital currency is neither property nor money. And hard, it, it, people don't know how to handle it. But if you insert an engineering stamp to that, then it becomes property because engineers can define property. But the point I want to make is that you need a referee out there. It's, it's, it's like a game. Um, and you, have, you kick the ball through the net. The net demonstrates this consensus. The, the world cheers um, because they can see the net move. But you still have to have a, an a referee on the field, somebody who can call on the block. Before something gets committed to the blockchain, you need to have a referee call it or be able to change it. Now the places where that, the precise places where that referee should be are the points of risk transfer, where property, title, um, responsibility, or risk is transferred from one person, one entity to another entity. You need to adjudicate that point in time. And that adjudication layer must be decentralized, incorruptible, and entrusted, um, uh, but mostly a, a condition of incorruptibility. So the individual, you can't, you can't beat that. So what we've, we've, we've come up with a way of doing that, which we can explain in a moment if you're interested. Sure, absolutely. And I mean, if you're talking about blockchain, then it, we would first and foremost need that distributed ledger because talking about, if from our perspective, what we are promoting is the integrated cyberspace, geospace space risk management framework because now the risk, it's not that the geospace risk just are, you know, uh, we can manage effectively by just managing geospace risk or cyberspace risk we manage effectively just by focusing on that because all the computer code and connected computers has connected everything, cyberspace to geospace and space. So the risk management framework that we should have should be integrated too because all the risks are integrated now. So we are promoting CGS risk management framework. And if you are talking about integrated CGS risk management framework, it should use blockchain in a distributed permissioned or permissionless environment. It, it, we need to have probably you know both options available depending on the what kind of risk we are managing, whether it's independent risk or that any private entity can manage on its own or it's a, a public, uh, where you know the interconnected interdependent risk where everyone needs to get involved so the distributed ledger is very essential and then we see the next uh, thing that is the cyber security risk insurance because we need as you are uh, you know uh, promoting and you know pre preaching everyone is that si that uh, risk transfer mechanism needs to be there it needs to be designed to protect the financial well-being of 
everyone, individuals as well as entities across NGIOA by transferring the cost of a potential significant risk loss to other entities. The ones, and here the way we uh, specify that is that the independent risk any entity can manage on its own. We are very firmly advocating that no insurance policies should be available for that. Because if we, if it's within your corporate boundaries to be able to manage those uh, independent risks, you should manage that. You should not have a vehicle to transfer those risks. Because if you keep transferring the risk when it's possible to manage, then those risks just keeps getting bigger. So we we are putting insurance companies here in a, on a notice that if you want to effectively play a role in the risk management life cycle, then you have to go back to your roots, the roots that you know you established uh, when you first came out with the insurance policies, that you need to make sure that everyone is accountable here. So if the organizations are able to manage the risk, the independent risk, you should never issue policies for that. But the ones that have interconnections and interdependencies, go ahead and issue policies for that and you know play a bigger role. And then we also have to focus on the digital identity, how we are going to uh, come up with the secure authentication for identity. That is very important. And timestamps. These are, I think, some of the uh, main fundamental things that we need to make sure that the blockchain has, blockchain-based uh, risk management framework. So let us explore how individuals and entities across NGIOA can come together to create new and innovative, uh, if we are talking uh, hypothetically of the, what we are promoting, the CGS security risk management model, then how can we reimagine, redesign, and redefine a global CGS security risk management system with peer-to-peer -peer blockchain model? How would you go for that? You are you know, a, uh, very involved with the risk transfer uh, mechanism for the blockchain. But if we, want, if we want to define, redefine this whole CGS interconnected risk management, how would we do that? Well, actually, it's not as difficult a problem as that sounds. And this is what surprised us as we're looking at it, the issues of identity and issues of, of securing the chain. But let me just add one point. You have future risks. You have risks like um, Internet of Things. The idea is to put um, sensors on everything, but sensors fail. We know this. Engineers have been doing it for decades. Uh, who's going to design, maintain, calibrate, isolate those all those billions of sensors? So you're you're introducing a new risk, uh, faulty information being introduced to the blockchain. Inter um, augmented real or artificial intelligence. We've worked we work with the IBM people now. Watson is this amazing thing. It's the ability to to analyze data in these ways that have never been done before is truly revolutionary. However, Watson still needs to calibrate itself to a baseline of experts so that it could then make these predictions about the future. Where are those experts? Are they available? You know, how do, how do you know you have the expert and how do you discern a fake expert? Because as soon as data, bad data gets on the, on the web, on the blockchain, the longer it's there, the more difficult it is to unwind because you've got other things happening. So these are, are and then international risks are another one. We, we can't just have an isolated American engineering profession. We have to have a global engineering profession, including Chinese engineers, Japanese engineers, India, Russia, America, South America. Uh, they have to all be part of this, this, this body of knowledge 
for engineering because each one, although the laws of physics are the same across the world, this gives us commonality, but the individual conditions in each place gives us the risk that, to be managed. So the way we've, we've, um, we're, we're solving this problem is we've created something called, um, it's a cryptocurrency called Quant. And it's, it's an it's a autonomous blockchain. So it does one thing very, very well. It doesn't get involved with the other pieces, but it provides data so that the other pieces can work better. So the quant is a very, very simple device. What happens is the engineer uh, makes a claim about their identity, um, no, about their education, their experience, the examinations they've taken, and, and the problems that they've solved. Let's say the puzzles that they've solved in life. Now, that claim generates a currency. It's just like Bitcoin, except a trivial puzzle Instead of using a trivial puzzle, math puzzle, we're using a real-life puzzle. So the engineer makes a claim about their experience. Now, another engineer will verify that claim. Okay, so you, they have to kind of know each other because if you have too many unverified claims, if you're just out there throwing claims on there and they're not verified by anybody, then you have a, a condition of fake news. If, you have, if, you're, if you're trying to verify somebody and they don't accept your verification, then you've got a claim, uh, you've got a, a negative point. So... When you put your claim on there, you get quant. When you verify somebody's claim, you get quant. So what happens is you create this transaction record of claims and verifications. And very quickly, this transaction record becomes a unique identifier, which does not have the individual's name specifically attached to it. Okay, so the longer this transaction record gets, the more embedded data exists in that transaction record. And then the network is formed by the verifications because they become nodes. Two engineers form a node. So now this node can be mapped for wherever it goes all over the world. So the next point is that database of claims and verifications becomes the central database of all the problems that engineers can solve. And it's in a format which is extremely useful. Okay, yeah, and no. all- Yeah, sorry. It's all it's doing is issuing quant. So these engineers now have this, this currency, which, which may or may not mean anything. Now, the insurance industry and the financial industry and the construction industry and, and corporations are going to want to hoard quant because they will need engineering in the future to manage their risks. Okay, so they will hoard quant. That'll bid up the value of quant, and the bidding up of the value will reach a certain point. It won't become like Bitcoin. It'll attract more engineers to the system. Okay, so this is how we're gonna build this centralized global um, database, all with quant. At some point, you can take, now remember, a claim is an insurable event. So what you have is some, a product that ins the insurance industry can insure those bets because it's an insurable event. So the combination of these two things creates this decentralized network. So the idea is you, your name is not attached to these things, so you've solved identity because I can call an engineer to a job and I don't know who they are until they arrive. So I don't have time to corrupt them. And they may not know who I am until they arrive. So they don't, won't be corrupted by some future possibility of work. So this is one way of doing it. In order to corrupt, for one individual to create a false transaction record, they would need to go and corrupt many engineers in order to do so. So it's impossible to create a false record. You see yeah. what I mean? Yes, so this, 
you make a very important point that first is that it has to be global. It's not just, you know, our nations and engineers need to be involved, but, you know, every nations. And that is the at the heart of uh, what we are trying to promote, that this uh, integrated cyberspace, geospace, space, uh, risk management framework that needs to be um, developed, it has to be in such a way that all the NGIOs are involved. That means everyone across nations, in, in government industries, organizations, and academia, they all need to be participants of the um, blockchain-based risk management framework, CGS risk management framework, and they all need to share a blockchain, a same blockchain. If we all have, if, if across nations, if everyone has different blockchain, to manage the risk, then it is going to be impossible to uh, transfer the risk. If some risks are uh, crossing the ge geographical boundaries of a nation, then you know we cannot have many different uh, blockchains. We will need to, all of us need to use a single blockchain. So that those things needs to be figured out. It will require broader collaboration and cooperation to be able to do that. And you made some really important points about uh, transparency and immutability and irrevocable uh, transactions, because once the fraud enters, then it's very difficult to remove that. So while these key characteristics of blockchain technology will open the door to disintermediating third parties from many media transaction types, lowering transaction cost and increasing the potential for innovation for entities across NGI, what is absolutely essential and necessary to effectively transfer the risk from your assessment? Well, I think what you're going to have is you're going to have many, many blockchains. I'm not sure we're going to get to one global blockchain. Uh, we have to have many blockchains, but they have to be for the right reason. If you have hard forks of a blockchain which works, where consensus breaks down and creates a hard fork, you're just going to wind up where we are today with a bunch of blockchains that don't talk to each other, a bunch of databases that don't talk to each other. That's where we are today. That's why blockchain was formed. Now, if you're hard forking everywhere, then you're going to get a similar condition. On the other hand, some blockchains can perform different jobs for, for different reasons. Some have a faster uh, have a faster um, block rate. Some of them have higher capacity to hold data. Others have different. Uh, so I believe there will be a suite of blockchains that will solve those purposes. Now, we are our own blockchain only because it's isolated. And the data that we produce is going to be the layer Everybody can use that data. Everybody can mine our database for correct information, for good data. And then they can incorporate that into a limited number of, of blockchains that are out there. Uh, so there's a, there's a, there's a purpose for, for everything, but we just have to make sure it's formed on a, on a, holistic, on a holistic basis. Um, if you could repeat, if I didn't get to your question, could you please repeat it? I, I may have lost that. I, I mean, you. I understand what you are saying that it there could be many blockchains, but eventually we'll all have to come up uh, with the global standards and you know global uh, regulations and global uh, agreements about how to go forward. So what I was asking is, what is necessary? Absolutely necessary to effectively transfer the risk. And I, I think uh, where I'm pointing is that we need to talk about the smart contracts because there is a significant promise in smart contracts agreements that would be represented as software that can automatically trigger actions under certain certain conditions such as when risks are not managed if a comp if the entity 
that was supposed to manage the risk if they don't manage the risk or an entity who was supposed to be uh, in compliance with certain regulations if they if they are not then the smart contracts should immediately trigger those actions so okay. i think smart contracts is at the heart of at the heart of how to transfer the risk how to manage the risk how to ensure risk or regulate risk or even you know how to audit effectively so i think smart contracts here will play a big role okay i can answer that question so suppose you have a start a smart contract for a real estate um transaction uh, so you've got several databases coming together. You've got the um, lawyers, you've got the seller, you have the buyer, you have the bank, you have the insurance company. And then you have to, at some point, verify that that structure is what the title says that structure is. And then you have to verify the condition of that structure. And we see this a lot where we'll have a condition assessment for a large high-rise building, and there's one, one paragraph on the plumbing section. We'll go look at the plumbing, and it'll be absolutely decrepit. This is my other company, which I use to, to, um, to study these things. And, and you're wondering how come they can only spend one article on the system, which is so expensive, so critical, so important, and get away with this. Okay, so there's, you need to have some adjudicator arrive before the transaction executes to say this is what it says it is. Okay, just to verify reality, with the digital fantasy, the hypothesis. So that's all security is a hypothesis. It's got to rehypothecate at some time in the future. And these are words in finance that are very familiar. Um, so you have to verify that hypothesis. Now this could happen with the transfer of real estate, but it could also happen with a, a test result for a medical device. It could also happen for, um, so, so the test result is the thing that transfers the responsibility from the, uh, the, the company to the regulatory authority who now approves of the pharmaceutical device and so forth and goes forward. You falsify that, you get the approval, it goes away into the world. So these are all points of risk transfer where a transaction is being done. They're all being done with smart contracts, which are taking away a lot of the existing um, knowledge, the existing institutional knowledge, which is adjudicating uh, these, these programs already. So if, if you're a bank and you go to a blockchain, you're going to wipe out your, you're going to call your back office. And, and with that is going to go a lot of institutional knowledge about identifying and spotting fraud, identifying abuse, identifying all, they, they know how these things work, how the world works. So if you call the back office, you introduce this new set of verification risks. So um, you can't have an engineer around every corner. There's not enough of them. Uh, or, or, you know, you have to, def but what you can do is find the specific points where they truly matter. And that's the adjudication risk. And there's countless, countless points. So every point you made about, you know, the bill of lading, when you receive something off a ship, is the contents what this thing says? I'm going to make a transaction. Is that sensor creating the right data that's going to establish a, a transaction? Who's modifying that sensor? Well, you could take the sensor and you could, the sensor could issue a currency to the engineer every time it works correctly. And then when it doesn't, the engineer is motivated to come and fix it. That's one way of doing it on a blockchain. And in, in, see what I mean? So yeah. there's all these different ways of, of now we have this opportunity to fix these things, but we have to identify points of research of risk transfer and banks and insurance companies need to demand that. Yes, okay. no, I, I see your point in that. And you're absolutely right that there are, we don't have enough engineers and the risk 
keeps growing because if you see risk coming from internet of things from medical device security to uh, you know ais and all the things that are going digital everything is going digital so uh, there, um, there are and with the space satellites and uh, space mining efforts going on and space uh, nano satellite efforts and drones and smart cars and connected cars so there are, the risk coming our way are so many so there is going to be such a large pool of risk data that will need to be on the blockchain how my concern is how are we going to incorporate all those you know risk on a blockchain effectively well for one you have um you need a system to get more people becoming engineers so if you have a currency called the quant which is able to to um which pays an engineer for creating this good database and then you have then there's gonna be an incentive for more people to become engineers or to at least add their information to this database so as you move towards AI or artificial intelligence, they're going to need a place to mine good data. They need to find verified data because if you give them garbage, they're going to eat the garbage and they're going to spit it out and it's going to be no better than that. So you need to create this centralized, this decentralized database, which is true and the network of people who can provide it. So if, if there's a certain individual who can verify risk, and they're verified by another individual, I can go to either person, or I could see the chain between many people to identify the risk exposure between two points in time. So, I mean, the, the, the data analysis capability of this, of this database that the quant will create will be enormous, and it'll serve that purpose uh, instantaneously. So if you have a condition, it's gonna be on a smart track, on a smart contract, you, it needs, it's transferring risk, so if I'm giving risk to you, you any, any, it's so generic. You install this adjudication function, and, and then you can now execute so many more types of smart contracts than you can today. Right now, the smart contracts are very, very limited by precisely that, the ability to verify, the ability to identify, the ability to do that. You provide this source, this resource, to this market, and you create, you're measuring into existence a new form of value, which will have a... Um, which would be very important. We believe would hedge the dollar. Yes, yes. Now I hear your point on that. And the, the main problem that we are facing with the risk management discipline itself is that people don't trust each other. They even if they identify a risk, they don't feel comfortable because of the legal liabilities and all other you know uh, concerns that they have. That the organizations are not interested. <laughs> in sharing that risk information with other parties. So there is a major trust problem. And with blockchain, we are trying to remove that trust problem so that NGIO components can transact with each other uh, without you know, uh, worrying about what would be the consequences. What will be the impact of trusting the authenticity of the, if we talk about uh, what we are proposing, the CGS risk management ledger, or it could be any ledger, any risk uh, ledger, what would be the impact of trusting the authenticity over any risk committee or manager? Because right now, if you look at the current systems, everyone is used to trusting the risk manager, trusting the risk committees, you know, and there is a certain way of doing things, which is very biased and where, you know, a lot of uh, uh, wrongs happen because uh, of who is, you know, over who is at the oversight for the 
management of risk and we are trying to take that away bring make it more accountable make it more transparent and make it more effective so do you think that the impact what will, what what do you think is the impact of trusting the authenticity of the risk management ledger well what's i think i think one point to make is that um blockchain is emulating a human condition one of the and that human condition is called consensus one of the one of the that's the problem that blockchain solves it creates this, this consensus um so we try to explain blockchain as this silly dance that the computer has to do in order to perform a, hu a, a, a human condition which is extremely familiar to all of us the handshake the consensus okay so the blockchain is not something new it's just duplicating this human condition so the so what you're saying is you have to come to a consensus what is the um the third party which can be trusted it's going to be a the third party which is val verified and validated it's going to be a third party without the incentive to cheat it's going to be a third party which is uh pseudo anonymous or at least has the ability to be anonymous you can't corrupt an individual it's going to be a, a body that um that, perf that that does this so we're hoping that the engineering adjudication system could be that um so you need to have this 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 third trusted third party at some point and and we're thinking that you know the laws of physics most people will agree are identical at all points on earth so we're all using the same law the law of nature it's going to be hard to discount that although many will still do the majority of people likely will not so then you have to have everybody agree that this is uh, the the this is the currency that we're going to trade now is this consensus among engineers and that could underwrite a, a, a currency which actually can buy um, or be exchanged for goods and services. Uh, that's one way of looking at it. The, what you're what you're saying is that um, let me let me stop there and see if you have any any more questions about that. No, no, no. I was just thinking that there's going to be a huge burden on these engineers because they are going to be accountable to pretty much the integrity of the whole blockchain-based risk management system. Well, there's, the a, lot of risk, the there's a lot of risks that don't fall. There's, there's counterparty risks. I mean, there's a lot of risks that don't fall. But underwriting the physical risks in nature, the natural risks. So there's earthquake is a natural risk, but the buildings have to be earthquake proofed. It's a very, it's very possible to do that. And what you have is insurance has a situation with with earth with earthquake coverage is not complete. Therefore, earthquake insurance is too expensive, and therefore it goes uninsured. And then there's a calamity, and society suffers. So you know you have to you have to you have to fill those gaps. Now you're right. There's going to be a burden for engineers, but all they're doing, all an engineer does, is verifies the physical presence of something. So it's not really a burden. And and the combination of verification for the pr physical presence of all things is really quite a simple um, node to deal with. Okay, so that's, but there are gonna be more people, we're gonna need more engineers, we need to expand the definition of what an engineer is, uh, to include artists, perhaps, to include journalists, to produce, you know, to include other people whose job it is to verify facts and, on, on the ground. And they're all gonna have a transaction record, so if the news comes out and it's not believable, you look at the individual's transaction record, and then you can determine what's fake and what's not. 
So I guess largely in the world, this would expand to everybody is we have this quasi-anonymous transaction record and it's in all of our incentives to operate with high integrity rather than low integrity. And perhaps we could, we could fix uh, some, of those, uh, some of those problems, but it has to, be, has to start somewhere. Yes, absolutely. It has to start somewhere and it is a collaborative effort. It's going to require uh, cooperation from everyone across nations. So this is a, that is going to be the heart of it, that how do we make everyone accountable? How do we make everyone come on the blockchain-based risk management frameworks? And how do we make everyone enter the risk data that they're supposed to be accountable for it? And uh, that is the first step to go. Now, while blockchain technology is maturing, there are understandably many unknowns. What blockchain unknowns worry you at this point that we need to figure this out before we are able to make any sense of any sort of you know, blockchain-based risk transfer? Well, the problem with a lot of these cryptocurrencies is they're speculative in nature. So they're gaining value because there's some speculation that they're going to be uh, worth something in the future. And some countries regulate that like a security. So you have these legal unknowns to what uh, these currencies are and what they do. Uh, they can't be treated as property because you can't hold title to something which is so infinitely divisible. Like if you own title to a car, you don't own title to the to tires, you own title to the whole car. So you don't divide property. Um, whereas you can't really treat them as title. So that whole nebulous of, of what these things are and how they're treated in law is going to be a problem. Uh, the the engineering profession has a different law. The P, professional engineers, they're chartered engineers in, in the UK, in the United States. Uh, we have a law which separates us from the UCC, and that law is something that can actually bridge that gap. So if we can bridge the gap with the licensed professionals, then we can now jump into the world. And that's kind of that's kind of what we're what we're trying to do. Then there's so the currency that's speculative is is very unhealthy because Nobody wants to transact anything whose value trans, you know, fluctuates so much. So, you know, I don't want to make a promise to you in the future for a price that's going to change anytime between here and there. So you need to have an, a, a, a currencies that are organic in nature. Currencies must represent human productivity. Otherwise, nobody would work in exchange for one, right? So you need that consensus that people are willing to work in exchange for something that represents their work, their productivity. It's a very simple consensus. But if you have a, a currency which defines, it represents productivity, then you're going to gr start growing this organic network of people um, accepting it. So a mutual reciprocity of the currency. And that's what you need as a basis for the cryptocurrency. And I don't believe there's any single currency out there now, cryptocurrency, which, which achieves that. Um, the value of Bitcoin is the value of all the things you can do with Bitcoin that you can't do without Bitcoin. It's important, but it's not intrinsic. You see what I mean? So you have to find some, it's like this big storm cloud. There's lots of sparks and lots of noise, but it's got to touch the ground someplace. So this is why, you know, there needs to be an adjudicator between the sky and the earth. I don't know how else to say it, that can actually um, get these things going. So that, those are the two big ones, the legal impact. And then the fact that these currencies have to have a network uh, that, that, that um, it has to be organic. Yes, absolutely. And we also talked about how to get the broader NGIOA cooperation and collaboration because without the cooperation and the collaboration, we are not going to be able to move forward. And we also need to uh, figure out how to effectively manage the concerns about privacy and security 
of uh, independent risk data because if we are uh, to put both the, in the independent risk data as well as interdependent risk data uh, interconnected interdependent risk data on the blockchains we need to make sure that uh, wh what risk risk group faces or what risk your organization or any organizations uh, uh, faces independently we don't want public to know about it there needs to be privacy of that data so we need to figure out how to effectively provide that privacy and we also need to figure out how to uh, what will be the cost benefit of blockchain based uh, risk management digital infrastructure and how we will scale what is the scalability potential of uh, blockchain driven glo global because we are not looking at blockchain that would be effective within a corporation or within a nation we are trying to see how to make this scalable all across nations so and also we need to figure out how to uh, what will be the speed potential of risk transfer how quickly we can uh, uh, do the risk transfer or how to enforce legality of the smart contract so there are so many different or, or to how to transfer risk ownership or or how to uh, validate risk transfer so there are so many unknowns still that we still need to figure out to uh, you know have a strong foundation on which we can build this uh, uh, risk management framework and how to uh, and we can transfer risk but because you know we talked about this briefly before about fraud that you know if once the fraud enters the blockchain is very difficult to remove it so how will we effectively prevent fraud well i think insurance has a very things like identity and things like fraud vinay gupta are you, are you familiar with him he had a a really sweet paper come out and i i, I use a lot of his work i also cite it so that's why i'm mentioning his name but he, he says that, that risk is an identity. These are not problems to be solved. They're risks to be managed. Okay, so the insurance industry is, is a very important part of this. Okay, so if the insurance industry were to take all this ambiguity and then resolve it to the price of risk, then that price of risk will be the determinant, the thing that, that it's being traded, the thing that's being lowered and, and, and created. Um, so that could be a, will be a marker for the efficiency of a transaction, the price of risk. So you could see a direct connection between the two. And at some point, you're going to come to a position where consensus is so important that the community will, will have a consensus over what's the next thing uh, we're going to build. Do we need to build a space station or do we need to build um, a, an agriculture system that feeds everybody first? Uh, do we need an extra nanosecond in that microchip, or do we need um, do we need this this, tra this this transportation system that allows people to make um, microchips? So society is going to have to set those priorities. Right now, we have corporations doing it by risk. Okay, it's very everybody knows you put a luxury tower up, you're going to get a lot of rich people moving in. Very little risk to that. But if, if you put a, a, a small apartment building for um, people who don't have very much money, there's a lot of risk in that. So you're going to need, you have these regulations and these subsidies that they're trying to get those things to go. But if the community were to have a consensus over what's the next thing that needs to be engineered, what's the next thing that we need, then you're going to see the, 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 the motivate, you can see the priorities change. Okay, this is what we need. We need to have the global priorities change. What's next? Bombing the little country or, you know, or let's let's keep the stability in the countries that haven't gone, you know, had trouble yet. So, you know, I don't want to start getting into a big political thing on this, but uh, social priorities need to be designed by, 
defined by society. Now, this creates a threat um, to governments. And how will the government react? And, and will they see the higher purpose of this and find their own role as risk, as ultimate adjudicators or ultimate risk managers or where the risk can't be managed, you have a legal system which can come in and settle all the arguments. Those are still very useful things. Yes, so they, they, the yes, you make an excellent point that everyone's voice needs to be heard. And it is not that uh, people are trying to go against governments, but the way we govern, the way we come up with effective solutions for you know major issues like should we go for war? Should we go to war? Or how should we you know handle this issue or how should we handle that issue? There, we need broader voice rather than, you know, the way we are managing now, the way we are governing now, that we elect representatives, we send them to government, and then they have their own agenda. They forget about, uh, they don't care about, you know, how, their what their citizens want and what the stakeholders want. So, yes, those things will need to be addressed in the coming years, and you make an excellent point there. Well, those are consensus issues. If the election doesn't work, consensus breaks down. The most important thing out of all of this, over and above blockchain, because blockchain is a consensus device, is imitating a human characteristic, is we have to find some mechanism, some technology that allows us to reach a consensus. Yes. And that has to be very, it's got to be difficult to do, but easy to verify. That's the whole philosophy behind blockchain or Bitcoin. You have to be able to verify when consensus has been established. And then you can go make your bets. Um, so this is, and then the risk, and then of course the banks have a new purpose and the insurance companies have a new purpose. So everybody is going to change. It's going to reorganize society to such an amazing extent, but we need to be willing to change engineers too. I'm having difficulty getting them to understand this politicians as well, but there's a place for everybody. There's a, there's a perfectly legitimate economy for everybody on earth. We just have to be able to articulate that. Yes, absolutely. Now, if we if we want uh, compliance be executed where needed in real time by individuals and entities across NGIO, how would we structure that on the blockchain? Well, um, compliance is is again another word for consensus. Uh, you're complying to a rule or an order. Um, doctors are in a similar position to engineers. Um, attorneys are in a similar position to engineers. In fact, everybody's in a similar position. So. Um, compliance has to be so right now with like the credit score we're we're measuring bad events okay if you have a bad credit it's because you you did something bad you didn't pay this you didn't like that you got fired you, you lost something um, so we're defined by these negative events and that's going to create a lot of corruption how do you hack that but if you're defining a person by good events all the good things that they do you're incentivizing that exact behavior, and in doing so, uh, you have a different uh, you have a different measurement of risk. Okay, they both do the same thing, but if you change to a different measurement of risk, you incent a different type of behavior. And this is kind of what the idea of this transaction record is all about. It doesn't punish you for screwing up unless you try to fraud the system, and then you have these unverified claims. You have the you know. Uh, so if you try to fraud, you just, or if you're not productive and you don't do anything, it's going to be very difficult to register. Yeah. So your motivation is now to go do stuff, to go be a participant in the community, and you'll be rewarded by, uh, by quant, and that quant will be accepted by others. So it's sort of a generalization of that. It starts, but we've identified one single point where it needs to start at the intersection of insurance, 
finance, and engineering. So this is what where we are. We have to pop the balloon. Yes, and this is yes, where we're doing yes. it, right here. Yes, we think this yes. can set off the storm. Right, right. right. Now, if, if we have to legally and legal sign, sign computer, computer code is a smart contract, contract. How, would how would we do, we do that? that? I'm hearing some echo. How can risk assets be legally enshrined in computer code as a smart contract such that any legal dispute could be decided by how the code of the smart contract executes on a distributed risk network? How, how are we progressing on that? Well, that, that's interesting because there's, there's several, you know, if you go to Japan, for example, you'll have the speed limits posted at 60, how many, so many, so many kilometers. And um, the police aren't there. They, they just don't go there until there's a problem. And then they police it heavily. Okay, so they don't, whereas in the United States, the police are incented to catch every single guy that goes 65 miles an hour when, it's, when the license, when the, when the posted limit is 60. So they have to, this huge presence and, and, and they're doing all this work and expending all these resources to extract money from that individual to somehow keep this behavior from recurring. Whereas the Japanese system is, we see a problem, we go there then. When there's a, when there's a, we regulate that problem when it happens for a certain period of time until it stops happening, and then we go put our attention elsewhere. Um, this data is like that. Data allows you to spot those problems. Rates and rates of change. So the rate of change of, of knowledge with respect to time could be considered a proxy for innovation. And the rate of change of innovation with respect to time could be a proxy for, in, for um for wisdom or, or something like that. So we can look at the data and use calculus um, to, to identify proxies for rates of change in things. This is what we have to do. We have to get to the point where we have a pure database from which these numbers actually make sense, a pre-normalized database of, of these puzzles that people can solve. And then, then we articulate that in, in on, on, we can start using some advanced mathematics on it. And this is where we, we have to be. We have to be able to get to these, to that yes. state of good data. Yes, no, that's a good point. Now, um, my biggest concern is for us to be able to have an effective risk management framework, even if we have just cybersecurity risk management framework or we have integrated risk management framework, the way we are promoting is that cyberspace, geospace, space, integrated risk management framework. Who should develop that blockchain-based global CGS risk management framework? Because whether that framework, whether the blockchain-based framework would be effective or not depends on who builds it. So who can build any risk management framework for us to make it effective on blockchain? Well, that's what you're going to do. That's what you do. Because the, the, quant, the, the database I'm talking about for engineers does one thing and one thing very well. It incents um this database to form it compensates engineer it, it uses the engineers to puzzle solve to create blocks just like bitcoin does and then all, all those verifications are stored on those blocks etc now you could use that as a proxy for whatever other blockchain but um what 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 insurance does or risk managers do is they they look at the data and they're able to pool similar risk exposures by identifying the commonalities of, of certain events and certain trends, and they create a risk-sharing cooperative, okay? That risk-sharing cooperative, all that analysis, all that identification is in the hands of somebody else. Engineers are not gonna do this. This is for risk managers. And we give them data which is reliable so that when they do form a, a risk 
sharing cooperative, that that risk sharing cooperative is efficient and profitable. Okay, this is what's going to fuel the other side. But you have to, we have to give you the right data. We have to give you all the data so that you can create new insurance products. So um, maybe micro insurance products and and um, you know certain insurance products. Pro, uh, products that incent certain behaviors or or that that cover a certain loss that's currently uncovered so that's a, a brand new opportunity and it's got to be the right price so if you have good data that price can come down substantially and therefore the affordability of it can go up substantially so that's your job and and people like you you're probably one of the few who are really really cutting this corner right now um, I've had trouble with some, you know, a lot of the risk management professions because they're so stuck in the in the numbers. But you're looking way out. You're looking far out. You say, "Where is this answer?" And that's the first qualifier for uh, for a successful solution, in my opinion. Thank you for that. But let, let's talk about, you know, if we want to make this effective. I mean, we all are working towards that to have a very effective blockchain-based risk management framework. But at the heart of it is the sharing, like you just talked about, that we need to develop a culture of sharing information. But just by telling everyone that, or issuing guidelines that everyone needs to be on blockchain, everyone needs to identify their independent risk or interconnected interdependent risk, and uh, you know, not uh, transfer risk where they can manage their own risk. Even if we provide all those guidelines and everything, but to make them accountable to do that, to share information also, it's not going to be an easy task. We will need to come up with some sort of incentive structure or some sort of penalty structure. Well, they both will have to play a role. Yeah, I've spoken to people who introduced blockchains and they said, great, and now i got this great blockchain. How come nobody's coming to the party? How come nobody's populating it? How do you get people to, to do that? But then you ask them, do you have a token? Are you using a token to incent people? And they're like, no, we don't want to use a token. The connotations are bad. And I try to tell them, well, the purpose of that token is to create this incentive to maintain this database. That's all that Bitcoin does. That's the nugget of Bitcoin or blockchain. And but you don't want the token, so you're not going to get the you're not going to get the cooperation. So um, I think. Uh, and another thing is, in insurance, you know, the world wasn't created by risk managers or insurance agents. It, came, it started with people who were just going about their life as normal, and then. You had a class of people who created the secondary market for risk. Okay, so what we need to do is just incent that normal activity of people, and then you can attach the secondary market for risk, which is very important, by the way. It's not, I don't mean to demean it by calling it a secondary market, but uh, so, so, so it has to be organic, it has to come from the people, and they have to be incented to populate this database. And the way to incent them to do that is one, you know, give them an anonymity, for example. For example, Craigslist, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Craigslist. You have all the data of all the market for used cars, but you don't, you don't actually know the person's identity until it's time to transact. So I call it anonymity until the point of transaction. You get pure good data if you don't have the people have to transact. And then when it's time to do a business, then you have obviously have to show your name and number. But if you, if you give them an incentive to add their data anonymously uh, and then uh, give, them, give, them, give them a path to be economically viable through it, then they're just going to do it anyway. They're going to they're figure, this is good. This is the way I get a job now. This is the way I pay my bills now. This is the way I, I take care of my family now. And then that becomes the, the underdriving um, um, current, which populates everything. So, you know, it's not going to happen fast. 
but it can't happen through a speculative environment. Yes, Absolutely. it's possible. That's the big thing that it is possible. There is a possibility that Absolutely. we can, you know, achieve those goals. Now, the inherent nature of the blockchain is that it allows people from all across nations to manage and share the risk without any intermediaries, with greater transparency, transnationally, and with market and network consensus on exact, you know, accurate risk data. This translates simply to efficiency, trust, and risk mitigated or managed for both individuals as well as entities across NGIOA. So what would you like to tell our global viewers and listeners about Integrated Engineering Blockchain Consortium, its mission and goals, and uh, where can they find more information and how we all can help each other to take the next step so that we can have an effective blockchain-based risk management framework? Well, first thing, for the people who are just getting into blockchain, just remember that it's, it's modeling a human interaction. So if it confuses you, just look for the human analogy. What's the thing it's trying to copy? Um, if you smell a rat, it's probably because there is one. So trust your instincts when you look at these things, when you evaluate these currencies and so forth. Um, more than anything, I need a network. This is what we need. We need a network of engineers from all countries because um, like a corporation value is cap M, which is, it's, it's a linear function, the way you value a corporation. But a network is by Metcalfe's law, it's a exponential function. So the value of this network will increase by the, number, by the square of the number of people who are on it. So this is what we need is to find the engineers, the leaders in the engineering community, community who can articulate this, this balloon we're about to pop because we need them there. We need to do this. So I need to get, I need to find those leaders. And that's probably the most important thing right now because, um, you know, we, we, we have leaders at Stanford. We're part of our group is at Stanford. We work with the IBM people uh, with the Dub in Dublin School of Architecture. Uh, we have many incredible people in our team. We need to bring everybody together around a consensus for how this blockchain, what's the fiscal policy of the quant blockchain going to be? And then from there, we launch an ICO, and then the token will be traded, and then we can prove that it's going to be functional. So there's several steps, and this is our, this is our journey. So we, we do need, we need to, to find, we need to find a network. So if any help you can do with that, we would greatly appreciate it. Great, wonderful. Uh, so thank you so much, Daniel, for participating in Risk Roundup today. And we appreciate your thoughtful insight on blockchain-based risk transfer. And our global viewers and listeners would benefit tremendously from the understanding you provided on the need for application of blockchain fundamentals across risk management systems and for the need for collaboration and cooperation. And I'm sure that whoever is watching this or listening this, uh, they would uh, take a step forward, pick up their phone or, you know, reach out to you and uh, join hands in this, what is needs to be a collaborative effort all across nations. So even if a single individual or entity is able to come up with ideas to transfer risk using secure blockchain risk management framework models and manage it, manage its associated security risk based on the understanding they receive from this discussion we had today, this risk roundup dialogue has been of service and we thank you for that. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Wonderful. So uh, blockchain technology brings a promise of potential to disrupt the current silo and fragmented risk management models through automation, smart controls, risk and cost reduction, transparency, trackability, clear accountability, 
But the biggest benefit comes from the ability blockchain infrastructure provides to manage both independent as well as interdependent, interconnected and interdependent cyberspace, geospace and space risk. Risk groups integrated cybersecurity, geosecurity and space security risk research centers are created for this very reason to identify, evaluate and manage the risk facing NGIOACGS, that means nations, its government industries, organizations and academia in cyberspace, geospace and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security and peace, they work together hand in hand. So security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict. Risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. And it is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts feed into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security. So if we build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risk together. For more information on the risk roundups, to watch the risk roundup videos or hear the risk roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayashree Pandya, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.